I don't know. I don't know how that's ever happened that I've never had a major, major mishap. I've missed flights before, but that's because of my own, my own mistake thing at the bar too long. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's your, that's your thing. That's your MO, right? I miss flights, but yeah, hey, I'm just at the bar too long. The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 423. While many restaurants claim to have invented the cheeseburger, it was actually Colorado resident Louis Ballast of the Humpty Dumpty Drive-In in Denver who gets credit for naming it the cheeseburger. He did try to trademark the term cheeseburger in 1935, but it was denied. So feel free. You can use the term cheeseburger as much as you like. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who once had to decide between grad school and interning at a castle in Italy. You can probably guess which one he chose, since he's on the show, who has written two books and who has helped pioneer the low-tech movement, Johnny Welsh from johnnywelsh.com. Johnny, thanks for joining me, and a huge welcome to you. Thank you, Travis. It's great to be here. I'm excited to be on your show. Yeah, we just actually talked right before we hit record. I was like, is it John or Johnny? And you can tell people, that it, depending on where you are, it's different. Yeah. Yeah, it's John John in Atlantic City, right? And Johnny yeah. out in Colorado. Yeah, it's funny. I, of all things, I'm John in New Jersey, Atlantic City, where I should have been Johnny growing up. And now in Colorado, I was like, hey, Johnny. So I'm Johnny out in Colorado. It's been that way for a couple of decades. So I respond to either. I've been called much worse. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And that, the one cool thing, especially that I pulled from your bio and we just talked about here, is this decision between Italy and grad school. And, you know, in hindsight, this might seem easy. Like, oh, well, of course this was the right path to choose because it's one you chose and, you know, your life has taken that path now. But the decision probably, like, tell us what that decision was like at the time because I think there's probably a lot of people listening who will face a similar decision where it's like, oh my gosh, this sounds really cool and amazing, but hey, this is what typical normal life looks like. This is maybe what I thought I was going to do growing up. So talk us through your decision and, and kind of what it was like at the time that you had to make it. Yeah, it was actually a terrifying decision for me. I was 23 years old, just graduated from Syracuse University, and I had applied to Seneca Falls Chiropractic School to be a doctor of chiropractic. And I also applied to go to this internship in the foothills of Tuscany and go uh, work in vineyards and olive groves and help create this internship in Italy. So I applied to both of those. And then one week in the summertime, I got a letter of acceptance to be a doctor at Seneca Falls, you know, to enter that program and, and uh, go through that schooling. And I also got a, a letter to go, you know, be this intern at this castle, the 12th century castle right near Siena. So, and I was, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, am I going to ruin my life by not becoming a doctor? I mean, am I going to pass up this opportunity? And with my degree, my degree was Italian language, literature, and culture. So I fit the protocol they were looking for in Italy for other programs as well to help create this internship. And I chose that. And that's where my writing career started, actually. So, and I never had known that was going to happen. I was, you know, like I said, it was a scary decision for me, but, you know, Doing that and bartending my whole life has facilitated the whole life of travel as well. What, what was it like for you then at 23 with the people around you, like friends, family, you know, th those closest to you, were they like, were they pushing you one way or the other? Or did they, were they pretty much like, I'm going to leave it up to Johnny. I trust whatever he does, you know, is going to work out. They were so amazed that there was a, an opportunity like that in Italy they're all like, they're like, go, go to Italy, man. Go, go run in the fields in the wind in Italy. Go live in a castle. And they were supporting me either way. But they, my friends were like, yeah, go to Italy. Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? You can always come back and reapply to, you know, to Seneca Falls and be a, a chiropractor if you'd like. And I just, after that, that big 
uh, travel, the travel bug bit me and it, it stayed with me ever since. Yeah, needless to say, you haven't gone back to do chiropractic school at Seneca Falls. No, I just crack people up at the bar now. <laughs> <laughs> so then, so you so you go to Italy and you have this experience, and then talk talk us through that next little step because I think that is the next thing that happens for a lot of people is they go have an experience, you you know, travel related, whether it be interning, whether it be a big trip that they've always wanted to go on, you know, maybe it's a, a gap year, you know, for, uh, not as common for Americans, but you know, people do it. And so then they come back and again, they feel that pull probably of, okay, now I've done that cool thing. That was a phase of life. But now I should, yeah, yeah, go get that job or fit or continue with that schooling. What was it like for you when you came back? Was were you pretty dead set of like, wait a second, I got to figure out a different way of life because I am so bit by this travel bug. I know I'm not going to just you know only travel for vacations, you know, every two weeks or, or two weeks a year or something like that. Right. Well, when I went to the, the castle in Italy, actually, it's called Spinocchia. It's an amazing place. The internship now is very structured. When I went there, it was it was the very like the infancy stages, so there wasn't much there. And I was there in January, February, the winter time. And there was no other interns, so it was a lot of isolation, a lot of time to reflect. And that's when I began to write short stories, nonfiction, poetry, lyrics to songs, and I was just this really self discovery. And when I came back to America, I didn't have much time to really think. My brother had moved to Colorado. And he needed help with his construction company. He said, I got a job for you. I got a place to stay. And because of that decision to go to Italy, I was more willing to say yes to these opportunities that are out there. You know, pick up and go. Why not? Pick up and go. You never know what you're going to see, who you're going to meet, or what you're going to discover. Yeah, that's interesting, right? If you hadn't gone to Italy, would you have taken your brother up on this opportunity to yeah. go to Colorado? I mean, probably not because you would have been at Seneca Falls in, in chiropractic school, right? Yeah, sure, and exactly. that would have been one path. And so you went out to Colorado. You've been in Colorado ever since. Is that correct? Or Yep, yeah, uh, pretty close. It was about a year after Italy, and uh, I've been here since 97. Okay. Yeah, All right. I love it out here. It's amazing. You're under four feet of snow right now. It is crazy. <laughs> It yeah, crazy. it's certainly a different life, right? From Atlanta, <laughs> from the beaches of Atlantic City and the Jersey Shore to, uh, to yeah, getting snowed in in, in Frisco, oh, yeah. Colorado, man, and living in like the mountain town and the mountain town life. It's definitely yeah, yeah. You're seeing two different sides of of America for that. So then, for you, you bit with the travel bug. You go to Colorado. And you start leading this life that allows you to travel more bartending and and doing jobs that are not your typical nine to five that give you a little more freedom for you. Then you decide to take this road trip. Talk us through this idea of of unplugging, because that was your first book, this idea of unplugging and letting go and not always being on our smartphone and traveling like which is funny to say traveling like we traveled when we were younger or, or like our parents traveled, right? Which isn't that long ago, but it's it it's a whole different way to do it. Yeah. It almost seems like two different worlds and they're not that far apart. I think 2007 is when that technology was placed in the palm of our hands with the iPhone and the smartphones. But even only just being not even two decades right now, it feels like two different worlds. Uh, I was reading a book by Timothy Ferris and he suggested – to go on an information diet. He's like, you know, you don't need to inundate yourself constantly with news and what's going on and updates and things like that. He says, just check it once a week if you want to. So I was like, okay, that's a pretty cool idea. And I started trying that out here and there. Um, and then uh, at the restaurant where I bartend, and uh, I saw a family of four come in one night. It was mom, dad, son, daughter. And, you know, I don't care what you do. A lot of times I have a hangover, so it's good you guys are occupied. <laughs> um, so and the whole time they're during dinner, though, they didn't interact at all. I mean, I'm looking at them right now again, and everyone was on their smartphone the whole time. Like I said, I really don't care, but I just it makes me a little bit sad. And especially when I see travelers doing that, because I know what it's like to travel with a, just a little a paper book, an old-fashioned book with paper pages in it to tell you where to go and find a little a little hostel or a hotel down some tiny dark alley. You have no idea where you're going to end up. I know what that's like and having to stop and ask people and meet and interact and find where you're going. And along the way, you meet people. That's the serendipity of travel. That's the magic of it, I believe. I totally agree. And so you you took that moment 
right? Of of seeing that family again. Not that you're judging them. You're just saying, hey, no, th- exactly. th- this is just an epiphany for me. Like I'm yeah. looking at something else and realizing that maybe I'm starting to do the same thing. Because I know for me, it- it's crazy now, man. Even you know you. You go on an information detox, and we'll talk about that in a second. And I always think, all right, well, I'm going to come back, and now it's you know it's going to be fine, and like I'm gonna I'm gonna be better with it. And then you know the second I'm back in my normal routine, I find myself falling back into those habits. And so you know certainly we're not throwing rocks at anyone because I I am the same way. And you know it's even to the point where now I'll sit there sometimes. Even if I know where I'm going around my home, I'll put it in because like, well, I want to save like a minute or two and make sure I'm going the quickest route, which, yeah. okay, at times, fine. You know, you don't want to get stuck in an hour of traffic by by going on 76, right? But, yeah. which you know well enough, right? Going uh, to, cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. But stuff. at the same time, it's like now, I, you know, who cares, right? Like, let, like, just go. Go down a road you haven't seen before, even if it's around your home. So I'm with you. So you come up with this idea of like, all right, I want to unplug a bit. And I want to, uh, you know, I know what it's like to travel with with the guidebooks because I didn't have an iPhone before, which we both of us were fortunate enough to, to you know, have a little bit of our life in that chunk of time before the smartphone and, and traveling a little bit before that. But then you decide to say, all right, well, now I'm going to challenge myself. All right, I'm I'm actually going to go and and live this out. So talk us through that a bit of this idea of taking a trip where you did unplug completely. Yeah, well, you bring a, bring a very valid point up, Travis. And thank you for reminding me that when I did see that family, it reminded me of my habits. And even to this day, I'll go on my phone to check my email, and then a half hour goes by, and I'm like, "Where was I? What just happened?" And it's funny. I like it. It is entertaining, but I've got goals, and I want to, you know, to 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 achieve each day. And I can't be spending my time doing that. So I try to limit myself. And the whole idea of the road trip started off kind of like as a, as a joke, almost a dare between my girlfriend and I. Like, you know, yeah, let's call it. We, we actually named the road trip. We named the road trip Paper Maps, No Apps. And it was kind of a joke at first. And we were daring each other. You know, I bet you can't go this far without checking in. Or, and it was funny because we would actually like touch our hip pockets because we, you know, I was like, oh my God, all right, no, I can't do it. They were off, by the way. So we set up rules. And we made rules because we had to text mom every couple of days. You cannot leave mom out of the equation. Let mom let mom know we're okay, you know, because we have the technology. It's okay to just say, hey, we're here now and we're fine. So we said 95% unplugged was our goal. We actually hit 99% unplugged, which is actually really cool. But we set up these rules and everywhere we went, like every restaurant, every stop we went to, people were responding to us differently because we were showing up differently. Our shoulders are back, our chins are up. We're like, we're like looking around because there's nothing to look at now at your hand. We're looking up, they're like, what's these guys doing? What's up with these people? They're weird. <laughs> and um, you know, we showed up differently. We're looking around and we're, we're ready for an experience. And they came to us at every single place. And the people we met, they're actually friends now to this day still, they became characters in the book and how we interacted, what their influence did to us. The one girl, I remember this, it was like day four, day five in the road trip, Laura in Las Vegas at a Guy Fieri's restaurant. We're having a little happy hour and there's some people at the bar. I remember the guy's name was Guy, or Michael and Bello over here at the bar having, having uh, lunch. And Laura's like, what's up with you guys? You guys seem a little different, you know? You know, so we're, we're driving around, you know, just turn our phones off for the whole time. And we're just going around with paper maps. She's like, wait a minute. How are you guys getting around? We're like, well, you know, paper maps. She's like, no. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, well, what do you guys do in the mornings? Like, well, we talk to each other. She's like, no. I mean, I'm embellishing her reaction, but she did have a bit of a reaction. And at the end of her shift, well, actually, actually was saying that the servers and bartenders are gathering around saying, hey, what's going on? What's happening? Next thing you know, they're behind us asking questions. They're peppering us for questions. Michael and Bello, they come over now. The next chair is over. What are you guys up to? What's going on? And, you know, It was almost like we were trying to seek a lost treasure. There was excitement in the air. There was curiosity. They wanted to know what was going on and why we were doing it. I mean, we're kind of like, well, it was kind of like just like a, a dare at first and then like a social experiment. But now the reaction people had got us going. And when Laura clocked out that day at 3 or 4 o'clock, she had left the actual restaurant. And I looked out that door where she left, and I see her coming back in. She walks over to Christy and I, and she's like, you know what? I just want to thank you guys because today you changed my perspective. And that's when the idea of the, the joke of a road trip became an, an actual idea for a book. I go, we need to actually really document this now. 
write down diligently every day and then share it because if we affected one person, there's probably more out there that are that will respond well to this. Isn't it crazy that you were such an anomaly because you weren't using something that didn't exist <laughs> yeah, 10, 12 years ago? It's, and It's crazy. And people are just sitting there like, how could you do this? How could you do this? And you're just sitting there thinking, you, you know, every human in the world did this for yeah. a long time before this yeah. smartphone came about. But it is. Yeah. It, you're right. Stuff has changed so quick that it, it's almost hard to remember, like even for people like you and I who who had a few years of travel under our belt before the smartphone really took hold, you know, it, it is a it's it's a little hard to sometimes remember. Like I, I'll be driving somewhere, I'm like, what did I do when I was in <laughs> London last time? I mean, I guess I got a subway map, and I probably yeah. found a map at the tourist information yeah, thing. Exactly, and the we got in the car and we got lost, and we asked people, right? Yeah. Uh, but I want to come back to the point too that you made that you were showing up differently. And so, and, and I would agree with that wholeheartedly that when you, when you are coming at something differently, as simple as not using, you know, not looking down at your phone, but instead actually being aware of your surroundings. I mean, we know the reason that all of us travel is because we want to experience different things, sight, sounds, foods, smells, you know, everything. And, you know, it is a bit of a, it's a bit of a disappointment. And again, I'm speaking to myself again here, Johnny, of like when I find myself with my head down when I'm in this new country because I know I'm missing experiences and what am I doing? I'm doing the same thing I could do at home. I'm on my email or I'm checking Facebook or I'm, you know, it's like that is not going to change your life. Like that experience of you seeing who checked in on your last picture or comment, is it going to change your life? But you might run into someone like Alara, like Bello, you know, who all of a sudden you're like, I remember these people years later because yeah. I was just present here. Yeah, it was amazing. And that has happened to me in past travels where, like you said, you stop, you ask for directions. And not only will they tell you how to get from point A to point B, they may recommend something that you've not even thought about. That's like serendipity happening right there at that moment. And I've discovered a lot of cool little like hikes and trails. I, I discovered a cliff dive in Greece one time from just talking to people. And I had no idea where it was. And somehow... I took 12 people with me from the pool at the at the hotel to follow me. I convinced them to follow me up this this little this trail up to the edge of this big ass rock. Sorry, and looking over the edge, and we couldn't see where the water was. Like, oh, is it down there? I don't know. This has to be it because the the trail stops here. We weren't sure, so we just jumped. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, the the fact that we learned of this cliff jump in Greece at the you know just by talking to people in the area because we were present. Yep. Yep. And so when you're on this trip and, and you, you know, you have that experience a couple days in and you say, wow, all right, this was a joke between us or, or not even a joke, yeah. a challenge. Like we exactly. wanted to challenge ourselves. Yes. yes. But now we realize that, hey, it's a little bigger than us because people are responding to it. You're responding to it. Like you said, you're grabbing your pocket. I remember I did the yeah. same thing <laughs> when I went on a digital detox when I was in Israel, uh, kind of on purpose and kind of by accident. I didn't bring my laptop. And then at JFK airport leaving, my phone broke. So it was like, <laughs> it wasn't, I, I was going to have my phone on me. It broke three days in of the trip, the guy's like, oh, we can go get your phone fixed. And by that time I was like, no way. Like, I don't want my phone fixed. Yeah. Right? So I did 10 days, but I kept instinctively, like anytime there was a lull or anything, I'd grab my pocket, grab my pocket. And you realize it when your phone's not on or when you don't even have your phone with you, how often you do it. It's like a yeah. nervous tick almost. You're grabbing it, it, yeah. <laughs> it, which is crazy, right? Like, so anyway, you know, I, I experienced that a little bit too and, and showing up present, but you realize, all right, this is impacting other people. We're going to start documenting it. So then did that change the way you traveled after you realized, all right, I want to turn this into a book? Were you like, were there any differences once you kind of made that decision of, all right, I want to see how other people respond to it? Or were you still just acting the same, just making sure you you wrote down diligently how other people were responding to, to your challenge? Yeah, that's exactly it. We acted the same. It was no different for us on our trip because we're actually out. It was digital freedom, I like to call it. And we did nothing differently. I just uh, made sure I documented more and I wrote more of who we met and where we were. Um, you know, their emotions, their feelings and how we felt and what, what happened from that relationship and what it developed into. So I think a lot of people 
say they want to write a book. Probably every, and since you've written one, you probably hear it from everyone, right? Oh, I want to write a book. Everyone has an idea for a book, and that's great. Like, I think inherently as humans, all of us want to document something, whether it be our life or a story or what have you. What was the tipping point for you to be able to take it from, all right, this is cool. People are responding to it. I'm documenting this. I've written some stuff, but now I'm actually going to go and write a full-fledged book on this uh, paper maps, no apps. Like, how were you able to actually sit down and do it? Because a lot of people then, you know, they get to that point where they're, you know, they're going to actually write the book and it's like, oh, this is not as easy as I think yeah, it's going to be. It's true. Uh, so it was a 16 day road trip. So each day became a chapter. And when I, when I reread, I will actually rewrite as well and I'll elaborate, sometimes embellish a little bit to make, put some more humor in there. So for this topic, uh, for the intro of the book, I wanted to paint the picture of what we're all going through in this time in this world. So I did some research and I found out a lot, a lot of scary information too, about what the whole technology industry and how that's affecting us. I mean, there's things like digital dementia that I had never even known about. There's new words being made like nomo, nomophobia, which is the fear of no mobile device. Like, oh my God, you check your pockets. Is it there? Is it gone? What did I do with it? You know, that's it's almost like a, like it's like a nervous tick. So like thumb zombies and there's some fun terms in there as well. So I learned a lot about that whole industry. And then even these tech companies, they're hiring attention engineers now to see what we really like and what grabs our attention. So it, it's no, it's no accident that we're looking at our screens a lot. And um, so I use that to paint the picture. And then throughout the book, I would kind of just sprinkle that message. I didn't want to pound it home and be a soapbox bartender. I said, here's what we're doing and here's why. Then I did some flashback stories too of days of old when, hey, how do you know where everyone is in the neighborhood when you're little? You just look for the pile of bicycles in the yard. That's where everybody was, you know? That was the chat room of like the growing up and before 1995, you know? So, and I added the humor and, and I had a nice conclusion at the end of where I see the whole like where the world's going and what you can achieve and gain by just taking that, especially on vacation, taking that little bit of a break. Even a slight reduction is huge because vacation is the perfect time to do it. Because if you're on vacation and you're truly on vacation, you don't need anything for work. All my friends, oh, I need my phone for work. I need my phone for work. Okay, cool. Are you on vacation? Yeah, but, yeah, but. I go, well, yeah, but what? You're on vacation. Just enjoy the vacation. Be where you are. You spent money. You paid money to be where you are. Like you said, we, uh, you're, you're in a foreign country and you're there and your head is down, not up. You're missing out on why you chose to go there. It was your decision. And you know, embrace that. Look up. Look around. Meet someone. Find a place to go. Find a good restaurant, a good lake to go hike to or anything, you know? Yeah, I think that's the biggest disappointment is that you've Put all this effort to get somewhere, whether it be domestically in the U.S., whether it be internationally, doesn't matter. You've spent time, you've spent money, you've planned for it, you've gotten on planes, maybe, you know, maybe you've learned some of the language, whatever. It, and, and here you are doing the same thing. And again, when I'm saying here you are, I'm really saying here I am because I found myself guilty of the same thing. This has definitely been a thing for me over the last four or five years that I have started to struggle with more and more and more and more. And it's not usually like an instant thing, right? As you know, like smartphones now, we say they haven't been around that long, but they've been around 12, 13 years. So it's just this gradual decline into feeling like I have to always check. Oh, well, well, we shouldn't go into that restaurant because what, what score does it get on Google, right? Yeah, and yeah. It, it's like, you know, okay, I'm a big proponent of not wanting to waste a meal when I travel because I want to go to the best and all that. Right, That's fine. Yeah. I'm not saying don't do research, but you don't have to do it every single second. If something looks cool, just wander through, wander in, whatever. Yeah. And so, again, when I'm sitting here, you know, a little bit on the soapbox, I'm really soapboxing to myself. <laughs> yeah, like, no, Trav, too, you know, you, yeah, you got yeah. to make sure that you've spent all this time to get here, you know. The experiences are going to come in those times, as we all know with travel, and that's why I love it. They're going to come in the unexpected. And the only way to have unexpected things happen is to actually be there and and be present. And that's hard to do if you are if you have your you know nose up to your phone. So then for you, all right, you, I, I want to hear a little more of your conclusion. And we won't, we won't ruin it for anyone who's going to grab the book, right? 
But what did, for you specifically, personally, after you got back from this detox and, and even now, like what have you been able to do or do you feel like you've been successfully able to stay a bit unplugged? Like are there rules that you have now in your life, regular everyday life that govern it to make sure you're not kind of falling back into that trap? That's a great question, Travis. Uh, the trip did change us. It did because we went so far to the other end of that spectrum. It's hard to come back to where you were prior. And uh, so my girlfriend at the time, Christy, her and I, after that trip, we there's an awareness that happened now that when we communicate with each other, just a simple conversation in the house. If I'm talking, she'll put her phone down and listen and vice versa. Instead of saying, oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, the auto nod. The auto, you know, auto response, i.e. not present. Uh, it's hard. You can't listen to somebody in text at the same time. So we try. We try. We're not always successful at that. Not at all. But we try now. We're definitely aware of that with each other. And it actually has filtered out to our friends. Our friends are following our example now and just trying to be listen a little more. Just a tiny bit more. You know, if someone's talking and you're in a physical location with them, you go, go text somewhere else if you have to when they're not talking. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy that happy hour. Enjoy that hike or whatever. We have a lake out here. Enjoy that time in the lake. Leave your phones at home. And um, and I'm glad you brought up the point too about how you're talking to yourself when you say some of these things because I believe that too. And in the, in the introduction to my book, I said, I'm writing this book for me as well. It is my personal reminder to, to, to remain present and to practice what I feel is – you know I, I see a disconnect happening at the bar when I bartend. And, I, and it's a, it makes me, like I said, a little bit sad knowing what I know as a traveler my whole life. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I uh, I read this article. A guy named Cal Newport wrote this thing <laughs> at yeah. the, the phone in the foyer thing. Have you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which like Cal Newport. Yeah. How many of us have foyers nowadays? I, I I don't have a house big enough to have a foyer, but um, <laughs> this idea and and I, it struck with me, and I did it for a little bit, and then of course I fell back in my habits. But uh, this idea that when he would go into his house, he'd put his phone somewhere that was not like not near him like not right at the living room couch or not in his bedroom right and he said i'm not even gonna put limits on the amount of time i can be on my phone i'm not gonna put a limit i'm not gonna send like i'm you know i'm not gonna say i can't be on my phone after 9 p.m because some people do that i'm not gonna say i can only have this much screen time but he said what i am gonna do is i'm gonna force my hand a little bit and so if i want to be on my phone I have to, like, it has to be plugged in in the foyer of my house. So if yeah. I'm going to text, I have to stand in the foyer and text, which means, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're not doing something else. Like, you're, you're not with your family. You're not watching TV. You're not reading. You're not yeah. sitting down to dinner, which I love that because I found that other stuff doesn't work as well for me. Like, self-regulating as far as not on after this time or you only have an hour of screen time a day. It just, it hasn't ever worked for me. But this idea of putting the phone somewhere and saying, you could, hey, you could stand out in the foyer for five hours if you really want to, texting your friends. But you're going to be bored because it's not as important as what inherently is going on in the rest of the house. So I just loved that. I don't know if you do anything like that or you have any kind of set in stone rules other than, you know, when someone's talking to me, I'm trying to put my phone down. But do you have any specific, like, hard guidelines that you follow? Um, I'd like to say that I try to get the social media off my phone. And if I do want to get on it, I can do it as much as I want at my laptop, which is at my desk, which is the same, same concept as uh, Cal Newport. Actually, his book is right behind my laptop right now. Uh, another interesting thing he mentioned in his, his book as well is, um, is um, the lack of isolation in our brains. It's isolation deprivation where there's no quiet time, no off time. And uh, that got me thinking too, you know, you know, it's okay to sit and be idle. You know, it's like you said, the nervous tick, you're always grabbing it. Even when there's like a spare five seconds, 10 seconds, we'll kind of go see, just go see an update. And um, yeah, I, I like to try to say that I follow the rule of, man, it's hard because I don't always follow it. I can't self-regulate. It's like, yeah, you know, eat a handful of pistachios and that's it. I dare you. And I love pistachios. That's not possible. I can't self-regulate a lot of things in life. And that's normal. That's natural. It's okay. But if I'm working towards that and I know I am, I'm okay with working towards that goal 
And even a tiny bit of success is going to be great for me. I want to be present. I want to listen when people talk. And, the, and, and what happened after the book and part of the conclusion you were asking before, uh, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time of this trip. And I don't know if it's because we have enhanced communication or not. I don't. I can't say. But we're now engaged to be married. We're going to get married in September. And then after that, we're going to go through a Paper Maps New Apps Europe edition. Nice. You know, okay. We are. And then we have plans for a Paper Maps No Apps Route 66 edition. Uh-huh. You know, get an RV. I know you, you and Heather said we get an RV and travel. Yep. I want to do that too. And we're going to do it from Chicago to LA on 66 or most of what's left of it. So we're engaged to be married and I, I can't say it's because of that book because of our communications but I have a feeling in my heart that it has a lot to do with it yeah it's got to have a piece of it you know yeah. like and 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 whether that means that you would be engaged or not if you didn't have the book you certainly as you're saying feel more ready right like yes. you feel oh, yeah. like you feel like you understand the person better what's crazy is even on that 15 day trip, I mean, you can speak to this and I, I've just had experience when I did my detox in Israel, right? And it was 10 days. The connections I made with the other people on that trip, there were some people who were, you know, had their phones all, but the guys who ran that trip actually, you know, they were the leaders. So they had their phones and stuff, but they weren't on it all the time. They were, they were responsible for 15 of us on this trip. I mean, the, the connection I made with them in 10 days, and, and travel has a part to do with this. You know, you make pretty strong connections when you're traveling because you're experiencing something outside of daily life that's usually exciting and fun with other people. So you kind of bond quicker over travel, I feel, anyway. But I have this really strong connection with them that I don't have with some other people. And I think a lot of that was because... I was just with them for 10 days with no other distractions asking, you know, they were showing me around their hometown, you know, they were Israeli. So it's like, it was constant. Like all, everything that I would have been doing on my phone, I was peppering them with the questions. Right. And so you just have a stronger relationship because you've, you've taken the time to really dive in, which it sounds like you and, and your girlfriend did on that trip and at least spurred you on to do more of that. Yeah, and we have lasting friendships with the folks we have met on the road. I actually, I retraced our steps of that road trip after I had published the book. It took two years to write the book, of writing and editing. It takes a while to do it properly. Retraced our steps and went and visited all the characters that I had mentioned, and I, I had a gift for them. It was a proof copy. It wasn't done, but it was a proof, an uncorrected proof. And I was like, hey, guys, go! you're in this book. You're mentioned. Here's what have you met. So I gave him a little signed copy, and then we had, we had another All Adventures again after that. Yeah. So it was really cool to do that. Did they have any idea that you were writing a book or would write a book about this? No, because I didn't know it at first either. And after the whole trip from the, the part in Vegas with Laura and Brittany and Michael and Bello, we, um, I, I had their emails and exchanged numbers at the time. When I got back on the trip, I asked them permission to use their their, their story in the book, and they're like, "You're doing what? Like, oh my god, no way! You guys are just crazy, you know." And those no phones, and I didn't write books. I mean, it's actually how I have time to write books is because I do them at my time. <laughs> yeah, I let's talk about that real quick because going back to the idea that everyone wants to write a book, you know, and you just mentioned it took you two years from from the you know deciding to write it after the trip was done to actually getting it out and and published. What for you? were the toughest parts? Like what were the parts or, or was there a part ever that you thought, oh man, like I'm not going to be able to do this. Like this is just a too big of a project. Oh yeah. There's, there's times I'm like, man, this sucks. I hate it. No one's going to want to read this. And I, I put it down for weeks and then come back to it. That's just my own personal uh, observation about that, how I felt. Um, editing is always tough. Editing for me, it, t- it takes me longer to edit a book than it does to actually write the book, which I can't say enough for editing. I think it's so, so valuable to find a good quality editor. I had three different edits on this book and four edits on my other book that I had written. And it really, really uh, introduces new perspectives and polishes it up and cleans it up. But for paper maps, no apps, I wrote the whole book in past tense. And my, my editor, Jody Ryan, who was part of uh, some big, big publishing houses in New York City at one time, she's like, you know what? You want the reader to feel like they're with you on the trip. So it has to be a present tense. So I had to go back and do the whole book from past tense to present tense. I'm like, I, I was, I mean, I'm like, all right, which is cool though, because the more I reread, 
the more I can add as well. I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is a funny observation here, and I can I can use little uh, analogies to add humor into that. You know, you you, you reference things that people are they're used to in life, and they're like, oh my god, yeah, I kind of know that, and uh, and they'll have a little chuckle. Or I have friends said that they, when they read my book, they they're in their car with me, they're on that road trip with me, and that was a strong goal of mine. And like your podcast. I listen to you and Heather. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to these places with you guys. <laughs> well, it's true. I, I, you guys have a gift and it's great to hear you guys and listen to your travels and it makes me want to travel more. Well, I appreciate that. I fi- and, and, you know, I think that comes down to finding the medium that you're comfortable with, right? Like I always enjoyed writing as a kid. I, I was the kid who read every biography that was in the library. You know, I won every reading tournament in elementary school because I just oh would read God. all the time. You know, I wow. loved reading and I loved writing. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I was like writing a book when I was like 10 years old. It never, you know, it's like a sports <laughs> yeah. book. It never went anywhere, but I just loved it. And so, you know, naturally when I started, I was you know, I wrote a lot on extra pack of peanuts and I still enjoy writing. But what I found for me is that right now, at least in this season of my life, I feel like I'm able to convey our message and have that same feeling like that. That's what we want people to feel like they know us like they're on the trip. I and and I just thank I'm just thankful that podcasting exists because it is a different medium that I feel comfortable with. I have always found it amazing when people like you can do something with writing, like when I read a good travel book, I just want that writer to write more, 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 because I I feel like there's just a lack of really amazing travel books where someone, it's just such a gift to be able to have, to be able to have humor and have someone feel like they're on the trip with you through writing. I I find it very difficult to do. And so when people are able to do it like you, I am just... I'm just amazed because that is that just always wants me to read more and more and more. So I'm just sitting here saying, all right, get that uh, paper maps, no apps, Europe edition, get that trip done. Let's get that book out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's the crazy part is, is you read a good book and that person spent two, three, five years writing it. Right. And so yeah, then, uh, yeah. you, you consume it in a week or, or like three yeah. days, maybe. Um so, so for you, that is the goal then more like with those other trips is the goal to then write books about those trips as well. Yes. I want to do that. I mean, I had so much fun with the first one. It's such a great experience. And the feedback that people are giving me is really, really motivating me to do more. Like you said, they're asking me to write more. They'll still tell me that they read the book and their, their mind drifted off as they are reading to a memory of theirs. And it was it was turned on because of what I said in the book. That's kind of cool too when you read a book and it it takes you away, whether it's in the book or the book caused you to go away in your mind and the memory. That's really cool. I love that. That's for me. That's almost like a meditation. Yeah, I, I think a good book. That's the beauty of a good book is allowing yeah. you to break away from whatever's currently happening and transport yeah. you to that that space, right? Yeah. Of, of yeah. yeah, whether it be the book itself or whether it be, you know, there's times I'll be reading and yeah, a minute goes by and I think like, wait, I didn't read that yeah. page. Like my mind was running with something else. Yeah, yeah, um, you read it, yeah. Which is, which is pretty cool. I think you're right. It is a bit of a meditation. So then for you, where do you think, like this idea of travel, you know, we'll hearken back to just the whole reason why this is even happening is, is that this passion for travel for you is there, are you able to pinpoint like a, a, an experience or, or a time that really, I, I mean, you mentioned the Italy thing. Was it Italy that really just bit you with that? Or was there even a time before that, that you knew travel was going to be a part of your life? Cause you said you went to school and studied Italian and, 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 you know, Italian history and literature and all. Was it something even before that where you said, like, I, I just am enthralled by this idea of other countries, other lands, other cultures, and this idea of traveling? Uh, I, I did quite a bit of travel prior to going to that castle in Italy. I, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy, and I had some awesome trips prior to that. Um, I've always loved to travel. I, I had a, a passion for that. But when I had that isolationism in Italy, when there was no one else there, and there was there was these bookshelves in this one little study, and it was about oh, it was so cold in there. It was like fifty degrees, so I had to make a fire in the fireplace to keep warm. And the walls were three feet thick. This is a castle, and it had this little rickety bookshelf. And I was like, oh my god, 
I'm going to get caught up on some reading and because I didn't bring many books with me. So I, I, I started reading like, every book I get my hands on while I was there because I had so much time. I had so much time on my hands. This was before uh, smartphones, even the internet, even. <laughs> it's a while ago. And I had forgotten my camera, too, to take pictures. I left it back in Jersey, and I asked my mom to send it to me, and she sent it to me via boat, which we didn't know, the, you know, airmail. We didn't know. Just send the, send, the, send the camera. So it took, like, 30 days to get there. So I also found a blank sketchbook on that rickety bookshelf. So I began sketching and writing and reading and – I don't know, just, it, it just something turned on in my life while I was there at this place. And I, I can say the castle was magic and those kind of fun stuff, but could have been the red wine too. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it all played a part in this magical the red, experience. The red, the red wine is magical. It's the nectar coming out of the ground or something. But I don't know. I think that trip, it just really changed my whole, my whole person. Yeah, you know, I think there's something to be said for this idea. I, I mean, you were essentially becoming a bit of a renaissance man, right? I mean, we talk about it, you know, but there's a reason that these people that we study in history could do so many things. It's because they, they had to be able to, right? Like you're sitting there saying, you know, imagine how much time you would have if, like you had, you didn't have many people around, you didn't have, you know, all the pressures of society weighing on you because you're in an isolated castle, essentially, you didn't have, uh, you know, uh, smartphones, obviously, or the internet even at that point. And so you were doing reading, writing, sketching, you know, composing lyrics, all this kind of stuff. You were doing, uh, you know, essentially there you, you're doing the arts. And that's what people did, right? Before we had all these other things that we could do. And so I think that's pretty neat that for you, you were in Italy, you know, home to some of these, all these famous people who did similar things. And that's where you kind of found your voice and, and and your desire to to engage in the arts, which is pretty neat. For you nowadays, how are you like you mentioned one of the reasons you were able to write this book was because you try to spend less time, right? You try to unplug, you try to make sure you're making the best use of your time. What does that look like for you in modern life? Is there a place that you go like when you're trying to write that that you're is it a spot that you're able to shut stuff out? Is there a time of day that works best for you? What is like, what do you kind of use to recreate that a little bit? It's that that's a hard question to answer because when it, when, it, when it hits me and I'm inspired to write, I will do it wherever I am with whatever I have in my hands, whether it's my laptop, a notebook, sticky notes. I mean, I have the, the, the uh, old receipts from people that dine in the restaurant. On the back of the receipts are just like paragraphs and paragraphs. And I'll come home and I'll organize them. So when it hits me, I, I jump and I act. Actually, I can't stop it. I mean, it was a passion before, but now I feel like it's a calling for me because now I can't stop doing it. Um, I like to try to, to sit at my desk and do some writing sometimes. That's one of my spots. The libraries. I love libraries. I get a lot done in libraries. Um Coffee shops in my hometown, I can get stuff done, but I always run into someone I know, which is kind of fun too. But when I do, when I travel, I went to Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago for another, I was on a talk show as well for the books. And I bought my laptop and I could just, no one knows me anywhere out there. So I could sit wherever, you know, outside on a park bench. I found a little pub that was, no one was in there one day. And I just got some, I got some snacks, had some cold beers. And I wrote for like three or four hours. So I try to do that when I travel. Because that's easy travel. Airports, I can do that a lot in airports. I choose to do that instead of scroll, text, update, swipe, shop, you know, whatever. Um, but when it hits me, I, I will take what is whatever is near me and write, whether it's handwriting or typing. I don't go to my smartphone, though. I will not put notes on my smartphone. Um, it's kind of optimistic photos. I've got like 7,000 photos on my phone, and I'm never going to look at any of them again. So if I put like 100 different notes in my notes on my, no on my smartphone, it's it's not an actual pile of notes to me, and I, I probably will forget about it. Yeah, Heather and I had this discussion about photos the other day, and I just sat there thinking, I mean, we're talking about you know hoarders, physical hoarders, right? And how how can yeah. people be hoarders? This and that. And I'm just sitting there like we're doing the same thing digitally. Digital it's like orders. snap a thousand photos <laughs> of one thing happening and we'll probably I'll never go in and delete them. I'll just continue yeah. to pay more 
to yeah, Apple more for more storage, <laughs> you know, and never actually spend the time to go in and be like, I just have 18 of these same pictures. And one of yeah. them is probably on Instagram anyway. So I don't even really yeah. actually need it on my phone because it's being stored somewhere else. Um, oh, so God, yeah, so funny. that's a whole yeah. nother rabbit hole to go down of like yeah, of course it is. digital hoarding. So, so for you, I, I love the idea for you that, that writing hits and you could do it anywhere. I find myself for me, it's much harder to do that. Like I almost have to be in my, uh, like it takes me a little while to ramp up, I guess is what I'm saying. Like I have to say, all right, I'm in my spot. Sometimes it's at my home office, but a lot of times it's not because there's other stuff going on. So like you, I'll go to library or something like that where I know, all right, you don't really want to sit here for like eight hours doing nothing. You kind of want to be here for two or three hours and move on with your day. So it forces me to to get into that mode. But um, it, it's just, it, it's always fascinating to me how different people work differently, right? Like you don't care where you are. Inspiration strikes, boom, you're able to focus, zone in and do it. I'm a bit more like, all right, I need a, I need a runway uh, to, to kind of ramp into writing, writing especially for me. Um, I, I just wanted to bring it back a little bit to travel and, uh, and just riff on some of your favorites or some of the things that you want to do. What what are some of these favorite places that you've been able to go to in your travels? Do you have specific locations that you're like, yeah, this is, this is just an all timer for me. Yeah. I, I, my heart is in Italy. I mean, I, I, that just stole my heart when I was studying there in, in college uh, and traveling throughout there, just the fun of the, the train systems. And there's a whole new way of travel and seeing things. You can look out the window the whole time as the train brings you there. Uh, Italy's great. I loved Portugal. I know you and Heather said it's on your list, I think, or have you been there? Yeah, sure. We've been there for like only, yeah. it's like a week and a half. So we've spent a little bit of time, enough yeah. to know that it is definitely a, a wow. gem of Europe. Yeah, I love Portugal. I had a beautiful time in Spain. Um, Thailand was a lot of fun. I loved going to Thailand. I went there a couple of times. Uh, I like you know I like the the good old fashioned road trip too in the states. We we go to uh, right near San Diego. There's a whole group of us in Colorado. It's the Summit County Surf Club. We're all like displaced surfers, and we have we have meetings on Mondays, which is like a happy hour full of beers. And we commiserate. There's no waves in Colorado. We all snowboard and ski a lot, but we do plan trips, and we go to San Diego right near there at least once a year. And we all go camping for a week. Our surfboards are out there in our friends' garages, and they come and meet us. So we go surfing at least once a year. That's a really cool trip because there is no agenda. Either you're at the campsite, get something to eat, you're on the beach watching your friends surf, or you're surfing. That's it. There's nothing else. No one does anything else there. And there's no technology present. We're all – you go in your car and check your phone if you have to. But we're all just there, campfire stories. Oh, that, that's the best part. And there's the whole – there's seven chapters – of that of the, the San Diego surf trip in paper maps, no apps, because we stopped there for seven days. Oh my God, the, the the things we come up with because we have so much time on our hands is just hilarious. Paper airplane contests, hula hoop contests. We bring a big set of bocce balls. We have a bocce tournament. We constructed a trophy that goes with the winner. It's so funny. We're just silly. We're silly and having a great time and being, you know, being young again, young yeah. at heart again, big time. That's the thing. It, when you're saying all that, it's like that's what kids do and want to yeah. do, and that's what we <laughs> wanted to do as kids, and yeah, yeah. and and we loved it. And so to get yeah. away from it, and it, like, why not do it, right? It, yeah, it's yeah. just one of those things. Um, what about then places that you're you're dying to go to? Like, what's on the top of your hit list of places you want to go to? Uh, actually, it's one of Heather's favorite places. Croatia. Okay. After our honeymoon in September, we're getting married September 3rd. We're going to go to back to the castle for two weeks. That's where I proposed to Christy, by the way. Oh, nice. Everything's full circle with the magical castle. I know. It has changed my life so many times. Uh, So we're going to go to the castle for two weeks. Then we're going to go to Sicily. Our friend has a beach house there. And then Croatia. And then stop in Greece. Maybe go to Santorini, Athens, learn some history of Athens, do some really cool tours of Athens and learn that stuff. I want to see that. I'd like to learn that about that. So those are the four places that are upcoming. Uh, I want to do South America, like you guys have said, too. I've been to uh, Brazil, to Rio de Janeiro. I, I want to go to uh, Argentina. I want to go to Chile. I want to see Peru. I want to go to, to Machu Picchu before it's all closed off because of too many tourists. Um 
Yeah, that's those are things on my list. Nice, that's awesome. Yeah, and that yeah. honeymoon sounds basically perfect. I, I yeah, you know, to go right from a castle, area. yeah, beach in yeah. Sicily, hit Croatia, <laughs> down to Greece. So, how long yeah. will that be then? A month, month and a half. Uh, I'm going to take six weeks off, so I'm hoping we can get that. Usually, we, so living out here in Colorado, which was really it inspired my travel, was there was off time. We call it mud season. Because it's, the golf courses are muddy, you can't play golf, you can't really ski anymore. So there were six weeks in the fall and six weeks in the spring that we could go travel. And we all we just, you know, you plan for the travel, you save up for it, and you just take all six weeks off because the restaurants would close. Oh, are they? Was, okay, they, so they're they used to. Yeah, they used to, but now they don't. They're open year round because it's getting it's getting busier and busier. That's why I'm hoping they get six weeks off for the honeymoon. Yeah. And hopefully we can get that. No one's going to say, okay, you can't get back to work because you're on your honeymoon. No one's going to do that to us. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, hey. So we're I, taking six weeks for that trip. Nice, nice. At yeah. least, at least. <laughs> All right. Six weeks. That's awesome, man. That's great. What then, last question I got to ask you is, yeah. you've, you've done quite a bit of traveling. What sticks out in your head as your biggest travel mishap or mistake that you've made? Uh, I haven't had that many mishaps. When Christy came to, when I was at the castle two years ago, to relive that whole experience. And we had just met. So she was going to fly out to meet me and she's flying into Rome. Uh, and I went down, I took a train from the castle to Florence, down to Rome. And I'm waiting for her. And she shows up in the airport and all her luggage was just gone. And she, she had this, she wasn't crying, wasn't upset. She said, Oh my God, what do I do? I go, well, I go, chances are the airline, I'll try to track down your luggage. They will, they will send it to you when they find it. I go, and if you have to you know, buy some things in the meantime, they'll probably reimburse you. So she's like, all right, let's go shopping. So I took her to the market in Rome. So the mishap was the luggage missing. But then to get right back on track and know, you know what? There's nothing that you brought with you that you can't find and at the, the location you're going to. There's you can, In the open market, you can find socks and T-shirts and look at the toothbrush. and You can find everything you need right there. And plus, you're going to meet people and you can haggle and bargain and barter with the people. Oh, I'll give you a dollar for that, whatever. You know, so it's almost a fun experience. So my mishaps are very, very – I've been lucky, I think. I have been very lucky. And a lot of that is that I, I just – I really don't care because I know that the worst that can happen to me – it's not going to be that bad. I want to go ask somebody how to get back on track. What do I do? You know, and I always, I always keep some reserves and a special account if I need it. You know, and I've never needed it, but I have that backup and I have that. I don't know. I don't know how that's ever happened that I've never had a major, major mishap. I've missed flights before, but that's because of my own, my own mistake of staying at the bar too long. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's your, that's your thing. That's yeah, your MO, yeah. right? I, I miss flights, but yeah, I'm just at the bar too long. <laughs> oh, that's great. Jay. So what do you have coming up in the pipeline? We talked a little bit about you want to do the, um, you want to do the, yeah, I mean, you have the honeymoon coming up, but you want to do the Europe trip with paper apps, no maps, and you want to do a route 66. Do you have a time frame for that? Because if people are listening and then they go get the book, they're probably going to be like me and they're going to say, we want more, <laughs> right? Like, like I got to know, is this coming out in 2021, 20, you know? So would you have time frames for those book projects? Yeah. Uh, paper maps, no apps, uh, the Europe edition is going to be based on our trip coming up in September. So those locations that I mentioned, we're going to do the paper maps, no apps throughout there, see who we meet, what happens. I'm also doing a, uh, another book that goes almost with that. And I can't really talk about it, but it's called Irish Pub Theory. So that's a, that's a fun one. I'm also working on – these are all called – a lot of these topics now, they're topics that come up as I'm bartending. They're funny observations. So I call it – it's Johnny Bartender's Twisted Topics. And it's going to be a series of those books as well. Like one's Irish Pub Theory. One's called the Internet Crash Kit. It's like, are you prepared for the great crash of the 20s? You know, it's like mimics the stock market crash of the 1920s. But um, it's going to be the, when the internet goes dark, it's 151 things you might need in case it goes down. Like <laughs> okay. Check, like Love that. That's a like great little tagline. Yeah. yeah okay. Checkbooks, DVDs, CDs, uh, a boombox radio. Like what's a boombox, you know? <laughs> you have to find these things. It's kind of fun. That's it's a, it's a humor book. And then uh, I, on my other uh, shows I've been doing, I get a lot of questions about the writing process and the marketing and the editing. So that another book coming out is uh, it's how to sell your book everywhere you go. And because I've sold the first book I wrote, um, the legalization of marijuana in Colorado, that was a, that was a humor book as well. That was a bar topic. And I sold over 5,000 copies of that book 
out of my own two hands, not to mention Amazon sales. And everyone's like, how did you do that? And I have about 15 to 20 different techniques and tips that I'm going to share on how you sell that book, how you get it out, how you have fun with it and just be silly. And that silliness can translate into you, for example, in the airport sometimes I'll, I have the books with me and someone next to me, oh, what's that book about? I'm like, oh, I wrote it, blah, blah, blah. We talked for a while and I, at the end, I, you know, yeah, I'm just going to give you this as a gift. And they end up paying for my whole lunch or something like that. So it's just fun ways and unique ways to share what you've done because you didn't write it to put it on your bookshelf forever. You did write it to share. And if anyone has a book in them, they want to write, please do write. Um, you never know who you're going to touch or connect with or what's going to happen and make sure it's edited properly. <laughs> yeah. Right. As you said, that's <laughs> edit, the hardest edit, edit. part, right? Write yeah, it in the, edit. right. And write it in the present tense. If you're writing a travelogue, <laughs> save yourself a whole rewrite by doing oh it in the present God. tense. That was months and months of rewriting. And I was like, Oh my God. Now, now, now I'm thinking to myself, was that in past tense or is that present tense? But you know what? It's a flashback story. So it should be, Oh my God. I, I was like talking about rabbit holes. Yeah. I'm saying, yeah. So I actually had to force myself to do that and I did it. And I'm glad I did because yep. it's worked out for the best. Nice, nice. Well, you've got a lot, man, you got a lot of writing ahead of you. You better <laughs> you better not be on your smartphone. You don't have time for your smartphone, I, I man. I know, I know. I can't sit still. I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. It's probably the East Coast the, uh, mentality in us, you know? <laughs> I know. You go out to Colorado, everyone's so chill. You're just like, guys, I can't. I can't. Yeah. I'll chill with you for a little bit, and then I'll go yeah. home and write three books while you're just actually continuing to chill. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Johnny, thank you so much for joining me today, spreading the message of travel, but, but more importantly, this idea idea of unplugged travel and being present and showing up as you are, you know, all of us, I, I think probably beyond a shadow of a doubt, we could say that every single person struggles with this now, right? Like they make these devices. They're awesome. Their smartphones are awesome. It's an amazing piece of technology. But like you said, they're made now in order to keep our attention because that's where the money is. And so I think all of us struggle with it. And I just love that you're saying, listen, you can struggle with it, but here's some options to just, and you even said this, little step, little step, little step. You don't have to throw away your phone forever. No, it's not no, no, the no. devil, but you no. have to make sure that you're, you're fit, you know, especially like you said, when you're traveling and when you're on vacation, like if you're going to be present, be present then and be present with the ones that you love, right? Like that's, exactly. that's when you yeah. should make the effort. So I just yeah. really appreciate you spreading that message, man. Putting the books out there. <laughs> uh, taking the time to write the books because that's something I've never done. So remind people one more time, how can they get a hold of you? Where's the best place to find you, to find your books, all the stuff that you're doing? All my info goes back to my website. It's uh, johnnywelsh.com. That's awesome. J-O-H-N-N-Y-W-E-L-S-H.com. You'll have the link on your on your site there. Yep. And all, what I'm doing and what I'm up to is all going to be there. There's a lot of cool photos too from all our travels and I encourage other travels to share photos. And we put a lot of photos in the book as well, kind of like a photo journal as well as a travel journal. Nice. Now, do you do social media? Can people- I do. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, paper Maps, No Apps. There's cool. a Facebook page for that. There's a uh, page for, it's called Weedgalized, W-E-E-D-G-A-L-I-Z-E-D, -E -E a fun, you know, lighthearted name to discuss that topic because it is taboo other places. And I wanted to introduce the topic in an educational way so we can communicate about it. I don't care what the stance is because I, I told a non-biased approach about that. As a bartender, I serve booze for a living. What do I care? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Nice. Well, thank you, Johnny. It's been awesome. Guys, everything will be in the show notes. As Johnny mentioned, we'll link up his website and, and the book and all that kind of stuff. And if you want to go get the book that we've been talking the most about, Paper Apps, or paper maps, no apps, paper apps. Is that a new thing, right? <laughs> that could be a new title. <laughs> That's the new thing. Paper maps, no apps. And Johnny, they can find that on Amazon. They can find that yes. where, wherever books are sold. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah, the, the audio book just came out too. So the audio book will be on Audible, I think tomorrow. Okay. It's coming out any day now. It's, it's being approved by Audible. So the audio book, which I recorded myself, is going to be on there. And I had it mastered with the company as well. Nice. All right. So if you want more of Johnny and his fun, <laughs> awesome East Coast Jersey accent, uh, you can listen to the, uh, you can listen to the audio book. If you want to read it, uh, you can find that anywhere. We'll link everything in the show notes. And Johnny, thanks again for coming on, man. It's great to talk to a fellow East Coaster. And yeah. I just love the stuff that you're doing, everything you're about. And uh, I can't thank you enough again for writing the book. It's been awesome. 
Thank you, Civilized Travis. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in today for your continued support that makes this number one rated travel podcast out there, guys. Until next time, happy free travels. Oh, 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 oh